How's it sounding? Sounding good? That's good. Hello, you unsuffering succotash. This is your lisping hepcap host, Sylvester Sanborn-Smith, and his Tweety Pot Pie podcast, Beware the Hairy Mango. I almost credited Snagglepuss with that catchphrase. My inner couch potato child is weeping. But maybe it was because I ate him, because he tasted like a potato. Illustrate some wonderful thing that you heard on this podcast, squeeze it into the nearest JPEG, and send it to BewareTheHairyMango at gmail.com. We're so desperate for fan art, we'll probably post it no matter what it looks like, so be prepared for that. Today's story revisits an all-too-common theme in my work, dessert-related pandemics. You may feel there's some other familiar territory being explored here, but that's just the first symptom of the cake plague. The Cake Plague by Matthew Sanborn Smith. The thing about the cake plague was that although it affected people, it wasn't spread by people, or even cakes. It was spread by male ducks. So people naturally ask, how the heck did it become a plague then? Well, all I can say is them sons of bitchin' ducks really got around that year. We all thought it was made up until we saw Grandpa slowly transform into a three-tier yellow wedding cake, complete with groom and bride on top. What we hadn't thought of was that Gramps shined his shoes with drakes and had done so since he was a kid. Now those shoes, along with our owner, were cake. I hate to say it, I said, but Grandpa's never looked better. I didn't really hate to say it, but you gotta make some sort of statement like that when it comes to family or else you look like the bad guy. Aunt Mona slapped me. Don't you get any ideas? That cake is still your blood. She had a point, but it's not like there was a law against eating your own blood. Alright, maybe there was. I can see those fat cat good-for-nothing bastards in Washington making up some kind of crap like that and pushing it through in the middle of the night while America was sleeping. But Gramps was a jerk and you didn't have to take my word for it. Our backyard was littered with shoe-polish-covered duck corpses. Stop looking at him, Aunt Mona shouted. She fed us the biggest supper we ever had, and although we went to bed in pain that night, we couldn't help thinking what just a little taste of Grandpa might be like. He smells a lot better than he used to, little Jenny whispered next to me in bed. The four us kids all shared the same bed, but Aunt Mona insisted that we sleep in two separate rooms, and years ago had Gramps build a wall in the center of the bed. I opened the vent near my head so I could hear Jenny better across the pillow we shared. She said, I mean, he always used to smell like mothballs, but now he, he smells like cake balls. Frosted cake balls, Billy said on the other side of Jenny. Aunt Mona didn't care who slept on what side so long as we were in two rooms. I couldn't take all this cake talk anymore. I closed the vent, dragged Ma the blanket from under the wall, and pulled it over myself. The other three tugged back. You're gonna pull out the weather stripping, I shouted. I found no peace in my dreams. My head was filled with thoughts of Grandpa Cake. How could he breathe beneath that thick layer of frosting? Wasn't it our duty to at least remove that? And what would happen if we cut into him? Would he be moist, sweet, and cakey? Or would he be bloody meaty? And how much did it matter since I liked my steaks rare? Grandpa Tata. Grandpa? Mmm. The next morning, Grandpa Cake still sat in the rocking chair where the sickness overtook him. Jenny had left his newspaper on the end table for him. Look at him, I said to Aunt Mona. Are we just going to let him sit there? He's going to get dusty. I bet there's dust on him already. The hell there is, Aunt Mona said, and we both closed in to take a look. There was the mark of a finger dig in the frosting. Oh my God, Aunt Mona said. Which one of you did this? No one said a thing. What if they cure him? What if he comes back and that gouge becomes a bleeding wound? 
What if it goes bad, I counted. First stale and then moldy. Wouldn't that be a crime too? He was an old bastard who never brought anyone a bit of happiness when he was alive. Give him a chance to now. That's what God would want. God didn't do this. It was the devil. We'll see about that, I said. What are you doing? I knelt down and scooted Gramps just a bit over the lip of the seat, bracing it with my legs so he wouldn't take that final rock forward. I didn't mind eating my own grandfather, but I'd be damned if I'd eat him off the floor. That'd be gross. I beckoned Aunt Mona down to the floor, and I bent down the white circle of cardboard upon which he sat. Look, I said. We squatted down, and I showed Aunt Mona what he was truly made of. He was yellow through and through. That ain't devil's food cake, Aunt Mona. That there's angel food cake. That close, with her nostrils so full of him, she buckled. She didn't look at me when she whispered, I guess that proves this ain't your grandpa. Go wash off the good paper plates. If this story plagued your dreams, you can spoon it and other forkin' stories at the best little storehouse in Texas, BewareTheHairyMango.com. Roll around in paint in the comments for this post, or Montgomery mail me, and we'll kick Rommel right in the L Alamine at Matthew at BewareTheHairyMango.com, or engage in some desert foxy boxing at BewareTheHairyMango at gmail.com. I'm proud to announce that the SF and SF Signal stands for Sandwich Fuzz, as the folks at SF Signal were essential to early efforts to mass-produce penicillin. They basically donated 50 pounds of the stuff to Alexander Fleming back around 1930 to save countless lives, but mostly to avoid cleaning their nasty-ass break room refrigerator. Tell your local human cannonball on the street to fire herself toward the nearest iPod manufactory and listen to this show, which has worked without a net since the very beginning, although a pining Frankie has been keeping a beach blanket warm in the hopes that she'll eventually come around. Bingo! Tweet Montserrat that no Montserratians will be excluded from anything if they follow me at twitter.com slash upwithgravity, and the only eruptions happening there are on my face. Even so, I'm still hot, hot, hot. You thought I was going to rhyme something with tweet back at the beginning of this thing, didn't you? Let me tell you something, folks. That's fine for the first 118 times, then it starts to get old. Of course, now that I've changed things up a bit, I can go back to that for the next 118 shows. Nothing says lovin' like something from the donate button. Give me some embarrassing pittance and you'll feel artificially warmed when I thank you for it. Yes, you could give it to some hungry child on the street, but isn't that donate button closer? You don't even have to get up. This podcast tastes the salty eye crust it licks from your sleeping slack-jawed face, which looks hideous, by the way. You should probably stop sleeping. And washes it down with an even more terrible Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share like 3.0 unported license. This will soon be your slightly odd-smelling host, Matthew Sanborn-Smith, saying all dogs go to heaven, but all handbaskets go to hell. Let's tie handbaskets to our dogs and keep them all right here. Good night.